Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Dugout Football Social Daily. Who says international breaks are quiet, eh? There are new owners at Newcastle. The tune have been taken over. A consortium backed by the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund has bought the club from Mike Ashley in what's being seen as a new dawn for the club. But how do the fans feel and what does this mean for the players on the pitch and the manager on the touchline? Speaking of managers, Watford have got another new one. Claudio Ranieri, the latest through the doors of Vicarage Road. But how long will the Italian last? Plus, amidst all the chaos, there's actually an England game this weekend. The three Lions travel to Andorra for a World Cup qualifier with Tammy Abraham and Fikayo Tomori back in the squad. This is Football Social Daily, the only Premier League-focused podcast with a new episode every single day of the season. And welcome to The Dugout, a show where we hear from former Premier League players as we tackle the top talking points. What a wild week it's been in the world of the Premier League. A new owner, new manager, and to go through it all on today's episode of The Dugout, we've got a new face as well, so a warm welcome to broadcaster and Newcastle fan, Isha Acton. Good to have you with us. How are you doing, Isha? Hey, very well, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. Thanks for coming on, because I thought you would be like in the midst of a party right now, being a Newcastle fan, <laughs> but you kindly put some time aside for us. <laughs> I'm delighted. I'm struggling to compose myself, like I said, absolutely <laughs> over the moon. <laughs> Looking forward to hearing your thoughts on that in a little while. I'm Niall McCorn and providing the insight from a player's perspective today, former West Ham, Norwich and Wolves winger Matt Jarvis. How's it going, Jarvo? I'm um, very well, thank you. I'm glad you started calling me Jarvo, so that's that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> if I call you Matt too much, does it sound like I'm your wife or your mother or something? <laughs> well, it's Matthew. If it's that, then I'm really, oh, really? in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I've been meaning to ask you for a while, speaking of your uh, your folks, because we see photos these days of players at training grounds with these incredible facilities, especially with England at St. George's Park, because there's you know, swimming pools, darts boards, pool tables these days, but there's always a table tennis table knocking around in the corner somewhere. Now, I think your parents were some of the best ping pong players in the country at one point. So did you ever get the chance to give anyone a bit of a lesson when you were playing at table tennis? (laughs) Funny story. Yes. Um, Obviously, I was didn't really know many players when I as, as in know them that well. So a good thing to do was play table tennis and yes uh, no one knew that my mum and dad were both England number ones so it was uh, <laughs> it was quite good to sort of get I wasn't that great to start with don't get me wrong I gave me about 20 minutes warm up and then I beat them all and um, the next day I didn't say anything and then the next day someone from somehow found out and then I got pelters like I can't believe it your mum and dad were England number one <laughs> so it was good fun good fun while it lasted <laughs> Mate, worth it while it lasted. But they play tech ball now, don't they? Kind of like table tennis, but keeping the ball up. Would you fancy yourself at that, do you reckon? 
Yeah, I think obviously that's a little bit more like football. So it's a bit more technical, a bit more, it's all about heading and it's not really my game really heading. I probably wouldn't be able to, you know, I'm not that tall. I'd probably be reaching over the net, you know. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it might not be in my strength, that one. I'm sure you'd wipe the floor with me at tech ball. Anyway, uh, we'll move on. We'll talk about the England game that's this weekend against Andorra. We will, of course, be talking about Newcastle. But we'll put that on ice just for now. Uh, World Cup qualifying takes place as England travel to Andorra. They've also got a game against Hungary next week. But Isha, all things considered, with the quality that England have got in their squad, it should be pretty straightforward for them to beat Andorra this weekend, barring what would be a major upset. Oh yeah, I'd imagine so. I mean, England's World Cup qualifying campaign so far, it's been pretty solid. You know, 16 points from a possible 18. And Andorra, I believe they're second from bottom. So I'd be very surprised if there wasn't, you know, a huge haul here. I'm really expecting... A 5-0 win from England. I think Raheem Sterling, he'll have a bit of a field day. I'd imagine that from him. I think uh, there might be some... The only fears probably are over the, the plastic pitch in Andorra, which Gareth Bell once said was the worst pitch he's ever played on. They're, 3D, they're like 3G plasticky pitch, I know. But one positive I saw today was that I saw it's an all-female refereeing team that will be covering the qualifier. So... Pleased to see that. That's all very positive as well. Yeah, absolutely. Nice to see female officials taking charge. Brilliant to see that. And definitely, I'm glad you mentioned Raheem Sterling because he's not had a great season so far for Man City, Jarvo. But when he pulls on an England shirt, he seems to be a bit of a different beast at times. He had a really good Euros. Exactly. I think, you know, even if you look back from the past when he... We didn't quite have the, the the best time in the tournament a few years ago. And then ever since then, he's just been a revelation. Whenever he puts that England shirt on, it's it's the the pace, the the desire. I think the obviously his goal scoring record's been great, but he's been the pivotal part. Um, you know, even the, the Euros, he was phenomenal for us. And um he he will really like enjoy going to this camp to to get some games and and he feels comfortable in that system. I think the manager gives him a lot of confidence, and in 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 the whole team as well. I think you, it's quite a, it's a very settled squad, and they've all got the right mentality. the The focus is on each game as it comes. They're they're very much a tight knit group. So I I fully agree with with Isha that uh, it's going to be a formality. You know that they're going to go there and and the game plan that Southgate's going to put together and the players that are going to play it's going to be, you know, a comfortable victory. Yeah, definitely. And also, you know, you mentioned the plastic pitch, Isha, but some might say it's the same for both teams. So, you know, it's up to England to, to show their quality. And there'll be players involved in the England squad that haven't been involved for a little while. Players like Tammy Abraham and Fikayo Tamori in particular. Do you think Southgate will give them some game time? Because as you say, Andorra aren't the greatest side. So it's a good opportunity for some of the, the fringe players to get some minutes. Oh, absolutely. Especially with the likes of... You know, Tammy Abraham, even Tamori, with Tammy Abraham, you know, he scored four goals in 10 appearances this season for Roma. I think he's really attracted that sort of attention. It's his first call-up since 2019. So this is a really big opportunity for a player like him, you know, 24 years old. Kind of similarly with Tamori, you know, he had a difficult spell at Chelsea, but I think he seems to be thriving under that pressure playing for AC Milan. I think the impact he's had on Milan this season has been immense. They've started the season really, really well, and he's played a really huge part of that. I think I wasn't overly surprised, actually, to see him called up by Gareth Southgate. I think if he plays alongside Stones in the games against Andorra and against Hungary, I think he could establish himself in the squad. And I, I really do think it's all thanks to his really impressive displays in Milan. Yeah, definitely. I've been so impressed with what I've seen from Tamori in the, the few you know fits and starts I've watched him for AC Milan. And even before when he was at Chelsea, and I think... I think he was at Derby before that on loan. He, he, he impressed then. It's, you know, he's one of a number of players that we've seen go over to the continent and ply their trade, Jarvo. We've seen Sancho come from Dortmund to Manchester United. Bellingham's there now. Tammy Abraham and, you know, Tamori both in Italy. Chris Smalling went over to Italy as well. Is that something that ever interested you in your career? The, the thought of possibly going in and plying your trade in another country? Because it feels like people tend to do it more now than they did when maybe you were playing. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think for, for me, I, I I didn't ever really want to. I just wanted to play in the Premier League. You know, it's the best league in the world. That's, that's where I wanted to be. That's where I wanted to play against. And the thing is, I understand these boys that are going over there and it, it, I, I, I don't know because I've never experienced it, but I imagine it's the pressure's different 
I wouldn't say it's less, but it's different. You know, here you've got the press, you know, you're in the papers every single day, whatever you're doing. You know, over there, it, the pressure, obviously, from the fans to play well, but you expect that as players. You know, you're going out there to play football. That's your job. You know, you want to play well. That's a, That comes with it. But it's the outside of pressure of everything else that goes on. I think that's the difference over here in, in England. And I think for these boys that, for me, I was lucky in the fact that I was playing week in, week out. If you're not, you need to have that experience of playing week in, week out. And if you're not getting it at your current club, to go abroad and have uh, experience that with someone else and the culture and, and everything about it, I think is a fantastic opportunity for, for you to do it. And you can see that with Tamori and Abraham now. They're playing week in, week out. And the confidence that gives you. And then to put in some good performances as well, it's only going to add to that. And being having the call-up now for England, is it's just going to breed more and more for you. It's, it, it's, it's an exciting time for both of them. Would you agree with that, Isha? The fact that it's kind of more accepted now for players to go over to the continent. And especially with, like, Jarvo says with the press in this country you know you, you've got podcasts talking about you you've got uh, radio tv newspapers always trying to get the next story so actually maybe they can go and focus on their football a little bit more with less pressures yeah I absolutely agree with that for sure I think there's a certain type of pressure that comes with the English media and everybody knows that for sure and we've seen it with throughout European football, but it's definitely not as intense as it is here. I mean, we'll talk about vaccinations and the sort of COVID implications of players maybe later on in the podcast, but in terms of that even, individual players being questioned on have you had the vaccine, why not? You know, it's a certain type of pressure which perhaps they uh, sort of seek that distance elsewhere around European football and that's allowing them to focus on their football a bit more. And you've lived in India, which is somewhere has a reverence for sport they absolutely love the Premier League over there and you know in terms of how the Premier League is viewed through our eyes it's very different to how it's viewed overseas so can you shed a little bit of light on some of the scrutiny that maybe players in the Premier League face compared to other leagues for example? Absolutely so when I was in India I worked for the Indian Super League and it was sort of the project to really invest in Indian football of course cricket will always be number one there but there is a really strong passion and history attached to football, especially in certain regions and certain states, which are, the, you know, the cradle of Indian football. So this league sort of, it was set up just to facilitate that and also to get some commercial value out of marquee signings. You know, the, the year I started reporting in that league, Diego Forlan came over, you know, there's a lot of hype about him. But in the same breath, and I guess to answer your question, it was not really a focus on personal lives as such. It was more so, wow, he's my idol. This is what he's doing on the pitch. This is what he's doing, you know, charity wise. But more than that, it didn't really stretch in terms of attention and, you know, all that sort of negativity or just invasion of personal life that didn't really happen there at all. It was more sort of let's discuss the talent, let's discuss their skills. Um, he did this five years ago. Wow. You know, I had a lot of DMs asking me all sorts of stuff, but it was all based on, yeah, the skill, the ability and the history of that player and the, that player's career rather than personal stuff. I don't know. There's definitely a different shift in focus there what I found with Indian football. Yeah, it's an interesting point. And also, I guess the Premier League over there in India is more of a focus than it would be, you know, on Serie A, for example. I think Premier League clubs are better supported around the world, hence the the bigger pressures perhaps coming from worldwide audiences. Some players have revealed that they won't be getting jabbed for COVID-19. You mentioned it a second ago, Isha. This is quite a sensitive topic, Jarvo, to be fair, isn't it? Because I think it's important to mention that everyone should be free to make a choice. Whether they want to be inoculated or not is up to them. And I think that's only fair. It's the country we live in. We live in a democracy, so it's only fair to allow people to make that decision for themselves. But we're starting to see figures coming out that actually a fair chunk of Premier League athletes, because they are athletes, have decided that they don't want to get the coronavirus vaccination as someone who used to play the game can you perhaps give a bit of insight on why that might be do you think because obviously as a former player you would have been keeping an eye on exactly what you were putting in your body pretty much every given moment of every given day so is that got something to do with it do you think <laughs> look I, I would say definitely that has a, has a big part to play you know you you 
you know, on a daily basis, you, you, you weigh yourselves, you have your body fats done, you're taking, you know, uh, omega threes or, or something. A lot of people will take different stuff, but it's all very much drilled exactly to benefit you to play football. It's not necessarily for anything else. It's benefit for you and to make you the best player that you could possibly be. Now, you know, if people have the jab and they get a reaction, it means they don't, they, they, they then can't train. It means they then miss sessions. It might then put you out of the team and you know how hard it is to stay in a team. So there's loads of factors that, that actually will come around about that. Um, for me, myself, obviously, I used to, we used to have the flu jab every year. So, you know, there, there was quite a number of players that didn't have the flu jab as well. Um, so it, it, uh, as you said, it is personal preference, but a lot of it's, because as we were saying it's in the premier league it's in the english press there's so much that's made of it and because they're elite athletes i think there's if there's anything that's that you know we after after games you we used to get our bloods taken and stuff after games and it will show you how run down you were you know and 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 that's where you used to pick up loads of bits and pieces you know you used to pick up i used to get like cold sores and stuff like on a monday like just because you're so your immune system's down so that's where it's hard to then be like well you know do you have the vaccine don't you have the vaccine because at that point you're elite athletes and when your immune system's down then you're gonna you're gonna break down so it's it's a it's a difficult decision to to make but but obviously you know it's it's heightened being in the premier league I bet you hated that when you knew the drugs testers were in and you're kind of trying to avoid them. You're coming for me and they're leading you off. You're away for two hours. Nightmare. That's it. Oh, it's the worst part. And like, all you do is you take big bottles of water with you and you're like, oh, it's going to take me ages. Just need, I just need to try and have a wee as quick as possible. <laughs> uh, what's your take, Isha? Because obviously, as Matt rightly says, these are you know athletes who are wanting the best for their careers first and foremost. But also we've seen managers like Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola and even Steve Bruce actually has come out and mentioned the fact that it's probably best for everyone if these players do get jabbed. There's also this talk of them being role models. So therefore, you know, they should do the right thing. But is it again just down to personal choice in your opinion? It is. It's a really tricky one. I think it will be really interesting to see how it develops over the coming months. I mean... I know the Premier League, I guess it was this week, they announced that Premier League players, they're only allowed to travel to UK listed, like red list countries, Brazil, for example, if they are vaccinated. But then the FIFA have come out and said that they don't want to prevent any players from competing in the World Cup due to non-vaccination. So they'll look into different practices or different, I think they mentioned something about a, po a proof of recovery test or something um, to just to avoid this. So... I think it's ever changing. I think it's really tricky. Like you guys have said, it is really tricky. I'm not entirely sure where I sit on it. I do think the vaccine is a matter of, you know, personal choice. I think footballers are in the public eye, like you said, sort of like public figures, they're influencing others to get it done. Jurgen Klopp said the other day that, you know, 99% of the Liverpool squad are vaccinated and he doesn't know why the remaining haven't, why there's hesitancy there. I think I respect those who have stood by their choice. And like I mentioned, a couple have been directly asked by press, you know, what's your stand? Have you been vaccinated? Yeah, well, I mean, I think Tamori was asked about it and he said, it's not really fair for me to comment on it because people should be free to make their own choice. And actually he dealt with the question really well. But Tammy Abraham and Jesse Lingard were asked as well. And they kind of, all three of them stressed that it's a personal choice. And, you know, that's kind of the media training coming through, I guess, a little bit. And it's almost, you know, we we don't want to force anyone to do it or not do it because it should be someone's personal choice and they shouldn't really be influenced by anyone else. I was said they would have been briefed about this before. So as you said about the training and everything, it would have been trying to to keep it as, as everyone used to say to me, be ten dulker, just back everything back. No, nothing, no why, no nothing. Just be, be straight down the middle. <laughs> Even Sachin yeah. let the hands go occasionally, yeah. man. <laughs> but it's certainly a fascinating debate, to be fair, to be had about these, um, these jabs for COVID nineteen. I'm sure we'll see more talk about this in the future as the weeks and months roll on. But interesting to hear from a from a former player on on the perspective there because you know if it is about getting 
and staying in the team and if it's as simple as that then certainly that that can affect people's decision making for sure because it is a brutal world out there in the world of the Premier League and we're going to be talking about Newcastle United next Ish is uh, about to let us know just exactly how the fans are feeling they've been taken over after 14 years of Mike Ashley ownership they've now got a new team in town we'll talk about it next here on The Dugout The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily The Dugout, Premier League Preview, Football Social Daily. Welcome back to the podcast. This is The Dugout from Football Social Daily. I'm Niall. I've got Isha Acton and former West Ham Wolves man Matt Jarvis with us as well on the show. And we're going to talk about Newcastle United because the huge story involving the Premier League this week has been centred around the takeover of Newcastle United. It's a takeover that has been in the offing for about 18 months now. It's finally been completed. The Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund, they've backed a consortium fronted by the Rubin brothers and Amanda Staveley. And now the deal after it was on and then off and then on and then off again is now completely done. It's through and Newcastle have new owners. So who better to ask than a Newcastle fan in Isha? What was the immediate feeling when you saw that statement drop on the Newcastle Twitter feed Isha how did that feel when you saw that Mike Ashley is gone and you've got new owners I can't describe the feeling I honestly can't I think like you said it was on it was off it was on it was off and I feel like this emotional roller coaster I think it was heightened during lockdown because of course that's when it all came about over you know 18 months or so ago and we had nothing else to focus on so that's what made it even more brutal and then uh, the owners and directors test was rejected. And then there was the whole legal proceedings, Mike Ashley in the Premier League. And I tried to distance myself over the past few months. I got a bit too emotionally attached to the first takeover, sort of the whole journey, I guess, last summer. Recently, I've thought if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, I need to focus on the task at hand, which is, you know, Steve Bruce. And it's no secret that the fan base, you know, we're not really behind him. We really do feel he's underperforming. And there's a lot more to be said about Mike Ashley and how unhappy we've been as a fan base with how he's run the club as well. Like a very, very dire situation, very negative, quite toxic at times, protests, a lot of fans stepping away from supporting the club because of ownership. So to, I guess, string out a potential takeover over 18 months and then within the last 24 hours, suddenly, you know, it's possible I honestly can't explain how I feel right now because I got the news about two hours ago. Up until the official announcement, I was still very apprehensive because I know Twitter was crazy today. Newcastle Twitter was crazy. All of yesterday, all of today, because there was a glimmer of hope it could actually pass the line. Now it's gone through. I mean, there is, I think I'm overwhelmed with the amount of things I need to think about and research and news updates and reports on what is happening. Steve Bruce, when is he out the door? Who are the likely replacements? What does this mean for the North East? There are just so many questions. And yes, it's fueled by excitement. There is a bit of apprehension there as well. And I'm slightly conflicted. There are human rights issues. It's a very complex matter. Overall, if I could summarise into one word how I feel, it would be, yeah, I guess overwhelmed. I'm actually overwhelmed. That's the best way to put it. Yeah, hundred percent. And it was it was nice to see the fans getting excited about the takeover. And there were a lot of people grumbling on social media actually about the nature of the ownership that's coming in, the Saudi Arabians and the issues with the human rights. And I'm glad you've mentioned that because it would be remiss of us not to mention it. And we did go into discussion uh, on this in a bit more detail on Thursday's episode of Football Social Daily. So just scroll back in the timeline and try and find that if you uh, if you want a little bit more information on that. But for me, my overriding feeling is, as a neutral, that you know the fans aren't the ones that sold the club to the Saudi Arabians. You know, Mike Ashley <laughs> sold the club to the Saudi Arabians, and you know if the fans wanted to stop him, would would he have listened? I'm not sure he would have done anyway. So, you know, there's a few question marks to be had over that. And they're all just personal opinions, of course. And also, I like what you said, Isha, about what does this mean for the Northeast? Because, Jarvo, you've got ties to the Northeast. You would have been playing a few times up at St. James's Park during your career. 
what would this mean for the area of Newcastle? How big a club are they? Because we hear the term sleeping giant all the time. Would you go along with that? Would you say that was the case? I would never have said they were a sleeping giant. No, they are lively. They're enthusiastic. <laughs> they're passionate, I think, is the biggest thing. Passionate fans. Um, mm. And that's that's what you get whenever you play there. The, the, the atmosphere, the, 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 the crowd noise, the, everything about it. They even, you know, they live and breathe football there. That is the whole. That's the whole area, and that is every single game that's on a weekend. Everyone goes to watch football. That that is what happens, and it's it's so exciting for for them fans to be going and thinking, right, we can go and compete. We've had fourteen years of not being able to do or buy the players that we would like to bring in or be able to pay them, and now there's that opportunity that they could start thinking about football manager you know and be looking at these players and be going oh I can buy him we can get him we can get him but also just to to enjoy going on the on the weekend going to the football and watching your team with you know some some big name players coming in or some you know just even just having that lift of emotion that you've got new owners new investors and maybe maybe a new manager by the time we've even finished this you know <laughs> it might be something like that and it, it's just that lift that's going to the, the northeast is going to be buzzing yeah i mean we'll talk about steve bruce in a sec but just kind of building on that point jarvo as a player would you have felt a lift as well knowing that the old ownership's gone and the new ownership's come in or will it not really make much of a difference because if you look at the league table and newcastle are in the relegation zone the second bottom they haven't won a game yet this season they've got three points and that hasn't that isn't going to change the squad is still the same the players are still the same at the time of recording this they've still got the same manager we'll come on to that in a second but in terms of the group and the squad they would have been following this closely obviously and they would have been informed about what's happened would that give them a lift you think as well 100 percent, it would yeah definitely there's there's no way about it if you're you're there you you know as players you can only do what you can do you know you can't control anything that's outside of it you've got steve bruce's manager right you're working for steve bruce but you all the time you're in the back of your mind like or whatever's going on with all of this you don't know what's going to happen so you concentrate on playing but the players that are playing week in week out now they will want to keep playing week in week out because they want to see when the new owners take over it's going to come to january they're going to be want to stay in the team they're going to want to stay in the team they're going to then want new contracts they're going to want you know everyone's going to want to try and get a piece of the pie but you on the, the other side of things you're going to have the players that haven't been playing if they get the opportunity to play. They want to show how good they are. If they're not, they're going to want to potentially go somewhere else and know that the new owner is going to come in and then it's contract-wise is, are they going to be able to get out? And you're probably thinking that, well, they'll just get paid up and go because they're not going to be too worried about the finances. So you, you both side of things, the ones that would be playing, would be desperate to, to stay in that team because for whatever is going to happen in the future... They want to be there and they want to be playing for whoever is going to be in charge and the owners and the the whole excitement and the building of that incredible club. And you you just you just want to ride that wave and be a part of it. So you've got to try and play with the with the team that's around you, with the manager that, that's currently there. But you can never control everything that goes on. So you've got to try and focus on playing. Yeah, interesting. I wonder if we will see an upturn in performances and form from the players after the international break when the Premier League returns. Isha, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions which I probably already know the answer to, but I'll ask you anyway. First of all, how harsh do you think the Saudis will be on Steve Bruce? Do you think he'll last before the end of the international break? B, if that is the case and he is to leave, who do you want? And C, will it be the right decision? (laughs) (laughs) Firstly, I think because this has really been a long time in the making you know they've had 18 months of back and forth back and forth back and forth but this consortium you know they're a really well established professional consortium they would have laid out that business plan they would have laid out options yes the options would have changed over the past few months you know there was talk about last summer Pochettino you know he's no longer available of course but even a director of football they they would definitely be having all these conversations amidst all the legal work and the financial you know transactions i think they would have their plans and they would have their options or their first picks and i'm not sure they would waste much time in 
making movements with that. I don't think Steve Bruce will last. I'd be very surprised if he lasts over the international break. I just, I'd imagine, you know, they've waited this long and they've shown their determination and the faith they've kept in the takeover. It hasn't put them off and they very much wanted to do this takeover and they'll have a plan in place to deliver all of that. You know, I'm expecting a mission statement tomorrow, you know, and I, I do think they would have lined up options and I don't think Steve Bruce is part of their plans. I just don't see that happening at all. Yeah. I think I think you're right. Yeah, I I, I think because it, by the sounds of it, even um, the Rubin brothers and even Amanda Staveley's partner, they've all been very very vocal on social media all throughout this. Um, you know, the legal proceedings between Mike Ashley and the Premier League, and that was actually probably the only point in 14 years where the fa fan base actually stood by Mike Ashley and was supporting that because. He was de more determined than ever to sell the club and everyone was supporting that and backing him in his legal dispute with the Premier League to actually make it happen after it failed, after the owners and directors test got rejected. I think replacements, I mean, it's tricky because like I said, from last summer until now, I mean, I wanted Rafa. I am a sentimental Newcastle fan and... I really was gutted when he went to Everton. I really was because I, I'm not saying I, I had a lot of confidence in the takeover to happen, but I, if there was any possibility like now and he was available, that probably would be my first pick just because under the circumstances he left, you know, he had, he, he knew what the club was about and he really kept our best interests at heart and his, the, the actual you know, argument he had with Mike Ashley when he left was about the lack of investment in the academy and the training facilities and all these long-term, you know, sort of things that come with the club. And he cared about that. And I think he managed the team well. I, I would have liked to have him. It's obviously too late now. Before the takeover happened, I have always said, I really like Eddie Howe, you know, that sort of manager. But now with an endless pit of money, I, I honestly don't know. Like, I'd really... Mourinho? No. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Last summer, last summer, I was keen on the rumours around Pochettino. Of course, that's not really going to happen now. But um, yeah, no, I don't think Steve Bruce will last long. And I'd imagine the options they have lined up will be pretty impressive options. I don't think there'll be any half measures. <laughs> to be fair, Isha, I think that most Newcastle fans would rather take Jarvo than Steve Bruce at the moment with the way things are going. <laughs> yeah, they will. Oh, I'll put my CV in. <laughs> yeah, stick your CV in there. And actually, I wanted to ask you to be fair, Jarvo, because you must know as a player when things aren't going well, you must get a little feeling and there's a few rumbles around the training ground that a manager's close to to losing his job and skating on thin ice. Do you ever get that feeling as players when you think, okay, this isn't going well? You know, maybe you lose a game on a Saturday or a Sunday, you know, and, and you're off on the Monday or you're in on the Monday or Tuesday and you just kind of get the feeling that something's about to go down. Or is it sometimes just a case of it comes out of the blue and you don't really know what's going on? I think sometimes you wait, there is a bit of both, to be honest. You know, the ones that you sort of know, you know, results haven't been great. Performances maybe have started to fatigue and you're you can sort of see that maybe the, the spirit and everything that, that the manager maybe has sort of lost a little bit you could then see it coming but I've been at other places where you you don't see it coming and and also that you, you just you'd be like no he that manager would have been would have been perfect you, you I don't know what you why you've done that but to get to go on to, to Newcastle and what Isha said that they they've now got an opportunity to make a statement They've come in, they've taken up, they've waited such a long time to do it. Now they've done it. Now it's their chance to make that statement and go, right, this is what we bring. This is who we're going to appoint. And this is the way it's going to continue. So it, it will be very interesting to see if Steve Bruce stays, how long he stays for, and if they do go for someone else, who that person is. Because that that is going to be the start of this roller coaster ride that is Newcastle United. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what happens next, just from a neutral perspective and in general being nosy, let alone if I was a supporter like Isha is. Before we finish off talking about Newcastle, how much damage has been done by Mike Ashley in 14 years? If that's a fair 
description to use because, you know, I've seen supporters suggest that it's just about, like what Jarvo said, going to the football on Saturday and enjoying it again. Not going wor- worrying about, are we going to go down this season, but being competitive and just having a feel-good factor around the club. So in terms of that 14-year stint under Ashley, how difficult has it been? How damaging has it been to the club and the supporters, do you think? I think it's been incredibly damaging. Like I said, a lot of fans have actually totally stepped away from the club because of Mike Ashley, because of ownership. It's not just, you know, a few chants here and there, like, oh, we're fed up with the owners. No, it's it's been a really, really long negative attachment to the club for many, many fans. And I think Kevin Keegan, for example, if I'll put up Kevin Keegan, because he's actually a childhood hero of mine. I started supporting Newcastle in the mid nineties and that entertainers era was all I sort of knew. Little did I know it sort of, yeah, went on a downwards trajectory from there and it was never going to be as exciting and as ambitious as those times. But Moreover, when I when I was older and I read books and, you know, Kevin Keegan's book I read, for example, and he's really outlined the lack of transparency and the politics involved with working at the club and what he wanted for the club, for example, when he was managing. And a lot, a lot goes on. We know that in football, a lot goes on behind closed doors. Matt, you know about this. You're a footballer and there's a lot that isn't made, you know, it doesn't make its way to media. It doesn't really make its way to the fans. We can you know, speculate and whatever. But with the Mike Ashley era, you know, with certain childhood heroes of ours, like Kevin Keegan saying, no, this is actually what happened. This is why I had to leave. This is why I was, you know, why certain managers are shunned out of the club or players or questionable transfers are made. And slowly finding out, oh, wow, that did actually happen. Therefore, he doesn't actually care about the club. You know, it is a business. It is a money-making machine for him. And slowly disconnecting from the club because of that over a decade of it is, it's hurtful and it's really, really damaging. And that's what's happened for 14 years. I don't, there's not been many moments where it's all been worth it or, you know, we're selling on players and we're making loads of money. No, we've been, we uh, we as fans have suffered because of that and there's been a huge disconnect um there's not been transparency there's been a lot of i know during some i know a lot of sports channels you know they have to remain on the fence but with alan shearer who is you know always on tv and always voicing his opinions on mike ashley and everything there's not you can't deny the negativity and you can't deny that this is an owner who has not had the best interests at heart for the club for many, many years. And it's caused a lot of fans to, you know, disconnect from the club. They're not showing their support and they're not enjoying the football as a result of that. And what kind of club is that? Is that a club that you want to support? There are some kids who have never known Newcastle without Mike Ashley. And that is really, really sad. And I'm not worried about, you know, revealing my age. I'm 31 years old. So I've had a good, like, <laughs> half of my life prior to Mike Ashley and then half of it during the Mike Ashley era. And now to have some hope and to have that glimmer of excitement, like, wow, are we actually going to be able to play with ambition? Are we actually going to be happy knowing we have ownership who want the club to really succeed. I mean, yeah, call me naive. We don't know the ins and outs of the new owners. We don't really, like I said, we haven't even got a mission statement yet, but I just know it has to be an improvement on what we have now, given 14 years of disconnect and 14 years of protests and negativity and everything I said, the toxic stuff that comes with that. It's a relief and yeah. Well, Ashley is gone. 14 years down the line, he is gone and he's been replaced by a consortium backed by the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund. How will Newcastle United fare on the pitch? What will the future of Steve Bruce be? Will there be a future for him? Well, that's still in the question, but there's certainly no question about Watford and the future of their manager, Cisco Mignoth, because he was sacked earlier this week and Watford appointed Claudio Ranieri in his place. We'll talk about it more next on Football Social Daily. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily 
Welcome back to The Dugout. This is Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast from Sports Social. If you hit subscribe or follow or whatever it might be on whichever platform you listen to this show on, that way you won't miss another episode of the show. Again, there's a brand new one every single day of the top flight season. There's no other podcast that will do that for you. Time to talk about Watford now. They've appointed Claudio Ranieri, the tinker man, on a two-year deal as the replacement for Cisco Mignot, who was sacked earlier this week. Seven points from seven games is Watford start to the Premier League season. This one raised a few eyebrows, but then again, it's Watford. You can't be too surprised. They seem to do this every six months. And we discussed this in detail a little bit more earlier on this week on the podcast. But I wanted to get your perspective, Jarvo, because as a player, how unsettling is it to see a change in manager every six months or so? Do you think it keeps players on their toes? You kind of discussed it a little bit earlier when it came to the Steve Bruce conversation, but is it annoying? Is it a wind-up? Do players care? Are they used to it now? What's the kind of deal? <laughs> well, I think exactly that. It keeps everyone on their toes because you you get in favour with a manager, you're playing, then that manager goes, are you still going to be playing the following week when the new manager comes in? You have to perform. You have to perform in training. You have to live right. You have to do everything possible to get yourself back in the team. So you're constantly having to impress whoever's coming in. And that's a good thing. That's only a good thing because you are you have to improve as a player. So you've got to become a better player, which is what everyone wants. Fans wants, managers wants, and the, and the player wants. Yes, it also is very unsettling because you get into a rhythm, you get into the style of play that the manager has completely changed from the previous manager, and it takes time to adapt uh, formations, you know, passing styles, players coming in because uh, managers come in, they bring their own players. You know, it, 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 it does make a massive shuffle in the pack, but ultimately, you're there to do one job and that is to play football. So you put your head down and you work hard and you, you try and get in the team every single week. And I've just looked at their fixtures and wow, he has got an interesting uh, next sort of seven or eight games. He's got all of the big boys and then a couple of games that he's going to desperately try and get some points from. So it's going to be a really, really difficult time. I'm glad you mentioned that fixture list because we'll talk about that in a sec. But before we do, how do you think someone like Ben Foster would be dealing with this situation? Someone who's in his late 30s now, very experienced, hundreds of Premier League games, hundreds of pro games under his belt. Is this just water off a duck's back for him now? You know, he's been at Watford since 2018 and he would have seen four or five managers already. Is he just thinking, okay, here's another (laughs) one. We'll see what happens. Yeah. 100% he's a very experienced player he's been there done it and and he'll just be thinking yep let's get back to doing what I do every single day he won't change his mentality won't change he's a top top player top top guy he he will just be getting the lads focused on training making sure that everyone's on board he'll be that sort of captain and leader that 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 he's sort of been for that club for the for the last however many years you know he will just it's same thing every day repeat make sure your standards are high make sure everyone's on point no late no you know not turning up for training on time being in certain positions make sure doing stretching you know recovery everything he'll he'll be that leader in and around making sure that it's all done and dusted every single day like he's probably done it in the last five six seven years yeah, definitely. I, I just thought it was interesting because, I mean, I don't know what I would be thinking if I was a Watford player. I'd be just thinking, <laughs> I'm under contract for four years or whatever it might be, and I'm going to see like six different managers. What's going on? It's crazy, the world of the Premier League. You'd just be like, you just like I've just got I've just got in the team, and now <laughs> I've got to do it all again for another manager. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the chaos of Watford. Uh, you, you can't help but laugh sometimes. I, I'm not sure the Watford fans are, are laughing too much, though, because Isha, I think you watched them recently didn't you against your team Newcastle are you surprised that Cisco Munoz got sacked and has since been replaced by Ranieri because by all accounts from what I've heard from that Watford against Newcastle game before the international break it wasn't the the most entertaining football from Watford let's just put it that way yeah it wasn't really inspiring football but I have to say they really um they managed to outrun Alance Maximum for one which I rarely, rarely see, you know, he's the spark, he's got all the trickery and he brought a lot of, he always brings a lot of energy to our team because, you know, when, you know, we're without Callum Wilson at the minute. So he is really that bright spark in attack. They did outrun him on a number of occasions. And of course, like Star, he's a very talented player, 
But you know, Watford is Watford, and if there's another manager being replaced there, I won't bat my eyelids too much because, it, like you said, it happens so, so regularly. I can see why perhaps there's sort of the argument that it could be unsettling, perhaps for a dressing room, but at the same time, I think these players at Watford, they know the, that their owner, the, they know the Watford owner, Gino Pozzo, he's far more hands-on than most owners in the Premier League, I feel. And it might seem to outsiders that Watford are constantly sacking and hiring new managers. It's almost like a joke, but the players probably recognise that the club's managerial appointments, they've always been quite strategic and sort of decisive. And I think if we look at Cisco this season, I don't think they've looked that comfortable solving the sort of like tactical challenges of the Premier League. And I think they've looked slightly, you know, poorly organised. And I can kind of see why the owners thought that Ranieri might be a good fit at this point in the season. You know, it's October. He has years of experience in the English top flight. And being newly promoted, I'm sure the players welcomed this appointment just because, you know, I'm sure they're determined to stay up and it is October. Yeah, and he won the Premier League as well with Leicester. So I don't think he's really got much to prove, Claudio Ranieri. I think he probably knows the deal when he goes into Watford. He knows this might last six months, but I'm all right with it. I'm a 69-year-old man and I've won the Premier League with Leicester and kind of that is my crowning glory. I'm never going to get any better than that. But he'll still want to be successful with Watford, no doubt. And actually, I'm glad Jarvo mentioned the fixtures because Watford have made a change in the international break, Isha. So in terms of... Ranieri having as much time as possible to get to grips with this fixture list which does look tough for Watford it's probably not the worst time to make a change because it gives him a couple of weeks to bed in with those players that are still knocking around the training ground yeah exactly and like we've said you know Watford players by now they're probably used to this you know there probably won't be too many teething problems this is someone who boasts a wealth of experience he's been in charge of some of Europe's biggest clubs you know Premier League title like you said uh, Copa Italia, Copa del Rey titles as well. I think it's a really great appointment by Watford. I think he'll be great with them. Another Leicester story would be absolutely remarkable. I think with Leicester, I think he really set the foundations for the team to just challenge for the top four. And then, you know, they obviously went on to do the unimaginable and they actually won the title. I think it's a shame that he won't actually be able to bring in his own players, of course, until January at the earliest. Hopefully he lasts that long. I mean, his, I believe his deal is two years, but you know, I just hope he's got a good compensation clause if it doesn't, if it doesn't go successfully because, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he'll have some backup plans in place. What do you reckon to Watford then, Jarvo? Do you reckon they'll stay up now that they've got Ranieri or is it still kind of, well, who knows? It, it feels quite early still, doesn't yeah. it? We're only seven games in. It's exactly. It's so early to tell. You you look at so many teams that that started well or started poorly, and and that you can turn it around. It's it's like Isha said. They've made a decisive thing. They've gone right. Manager's gone. New one in. Whether that was tactical decision or, or whatever, they've made that decision really promptly. And now um, Ranieri's got time to to bed his style of play in and, 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 you know, focus on these next really tough run of games. But you, you've got to be looking at fixtures in there. I think they've got Southampton. I think they've got Norwich as well after, I think, you know, City, Arsenal, United, Chelsea, you know, all of these, but you, you've got pinpoint games where you're going to have to pick up points. And if you get ones off the big teams, then that's a massive bonus. But you've got to start looking and picking up points to to make sure that these games that are valuable to you, that you win and you get three points. So I'm sure he's he's a very experienced. He'll know exactly what he needs to do, but it's not going to be easy. And that's for sure, because to change mentality, change everything that goes along in that place, you know, they are newly promoted side. It's, it's going to be really difficult, but... He's the man at the moment to, to do it. Just finally on this then, Jarvo, have you ever been in a relegation scrap? And if you have, how hard is it? How difficult is it to keep yourself going week on week? It's very difficult. I have been in a relegation scrap. Um, you know, when I was at Wolves, we got promoted as champions. It was amazing, you know, riding that wave, we winning week in, week out. And then you hit the Premier League. And I remember my first sort of game that sort of was a big eye-opener is we played Chelsea away at Stamford Bridge and we got, battered I mean battered um and it was no, not the scoreline I think the scoreline was 4-0 so it wasn't too bad but just the way that the passing the players everything and you get a big wake-up call and you go okay yeah you know we're in the Premier League and and it was a struggle mentally you're getting beat 
most weeks and you you look at fixtures like I said and you need to get a result and you get a draw and you're like oh maybe that was that we need to get a three points really there and then it's just each week it gets more and more difficult because time's starting to run out but you then have more pressure on yourself you get into the next game we have to get a result not we need to, you know we would like to get one we have to get a result and then it's just trying to mentally process okay you're playing uh, Man City away we're probably not going to win, but if we can get a draw, that's amazing. But then next week we've got someone that's near the bottom. We need to get a result. So you 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 try your best mentally to do it, but it's extremely difficult to to get out of that you know um, void of you know losing repeatedly, and it's 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 a tough one. But we we did it quite a few two out of the three years was not too bad yeah now do you put pressure on yourself then as a group of players you think oh you know we've got a six pointer this weekend and then does that you kind of hype each other up or does the pressure get too much well only the result does tell because you do put massive pressure on yourselves you know you know as a group this is a game we have to win and if you win you know the 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 mentality the the approach the game plan everything has worked if you lose has the pressure got too much for you? Have did did people not do their jobs properly? That's that's the you know obviously winning games is the biggest thing. You 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 everyone me especially I, I always used to put pressure on myself to perform, and that's what every every player and every group wants to do or has to do, especially when you're fighting it out. You need to be able to look around to your teammate next to you and going, we're going into battle now. Are you going to be in the trenches with me? And if you look at him and go, yeah. I'm, I'm right behind you, then you've got a fighting chance. Well, Claudio Ranieri is the new general and will he be sending his players into battle? We'll wait and find out when the Premier League returns after the international break. But that's it for the dugout for this week. Thanks very much, Jarvo. Thank you, Isha. What's the score this weekend for you, Isha? Are you going to be having a big old knees up because of the takeover? Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm yet to celebrate, so I'm going to go off and then celebrate. It's a shame, actually. My dad's on holiday. Um <laughs> I, I was joking that he might be on a flight over and he has no clue what's happening. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to check now, ring him and be like, Dad, have you heard the news? <laughs> what about you, Jarvo? What you got in the pipeline this weekend? Uh, it's my son's fifth birthday tomorrow. So I've got uh, that tomorrow and then his party Saturday and then just all sorts of carnage after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate, looking after five-year-olds is as tough a job as it comes. Junior Jarvis, happy birthday to him. Um, thanks for tuning in to the dugout this week don't forget to hit subscribe that way you won't miss another episode of the show as I said before there'll be another one tomorrow and the day after and every subsequent day of the Premier League season so if you want to stay in the loop make sure you do hit that subscribe button that's it for today's Football Social Daily thanks for your company and we'll catch you again next time The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily Step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.